It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode, Liz and I talk with Jeff Stewer about betrayal trauma and the three A's, abuse, affairs, and addiction. We dive into each one of these areas of betrayal, and Jeff shares some great tips to help both partners through the challenges and struggles of the trauma that is often the result. Jeff Stewart is a licensed marriage and family therapist, author, presenter, and podcaster with over 24 years of experience. He's the co-author of Love You, Hate the Porn, Healing a Relationship Damaged by Virtual Infidelity, and co-hosts the podcast From Crisis to Connection with his wife, Jody. He's the creator of the Trust Building Bootcamp online video course and produced workbooks, audio programs, and other courses to help couples and individuals heal from the impact of sexual betrayal, unwanted pornography use, partner betrayal trauma, and rebuilding broken trust. He earned degrees from Brigham Young University and Auburn University and has extensive training and experience treating sexually compulsive behaviors and betrayal trauma. Jeff has been married for over 26 years, and he and his wife, Jody are the parents of four children. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Stronger Marriage Connection. I'm Dr. Dave here at Utah State University, along with our psychologist, Liz Hale. We are dedicating our lives to bring you the best research and the tips and tools to help you have the marriage of your dreams. Okay, I am super excited about our guest today, and the topic is a serious and an important one as well. All right, he is a marriage and family therapist. He's an author. He's a presenter and has an awesome podcast of his own he does with his wife called From Crisis to Connection. Welcome to the show, the one and only Jeff Stewart. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jeff, it's so good. Thanks so much for coming on. Now, Jeff, I've known of you for more than a decade, probably even 15 years through our dear friend and mentor, uh, Dr. Wally Goddard, who's a legend in his own right. Yeah. Right? He's amazing. So if you haven't heard Dr. Wally's, you got to go back and listen to that that episode. So that's a, a mutual friend that Jeff and I have. Okay, so Jeff, you've been a licensed marriage and family therapist for more than 24 years now. And I've seen countless couples. Now, so I got to ask right off the bat, have you always focused on betrayal trauma or how and why did you decide to to focus your attention on, on such a specialized area? Yeah, that's a great question. I, my first, the first part of my career, I actually worked with children and did play therapy and um, thinking that that was what I was going to do. And, um, and, but I noticed as I was working with these children that I just kept wanting to go upstream and get to their parents. (laughs) I just had this sense that like, I just had this sense that there was more we could do working with the, the marital subsystem than just trying to work with the kids. And that my heart just kept getting pulled over to that. And so, um, I ended up leaving that job and started a private practice thinking I was just going to do some, some light marriage education. I ended up at smart marriages in Atlanta for a week thinking I was just going to be a marriage educator therapist and 
You know, the truth is, is that when people are coming to marriage therapy, they're not coming in just to kind of polish a few things. They're coming in because it's like dead on arrival. A lot of people are just in the worst possible place before they're willing to spend the money, take the time and even maybe suffer some of the embarrassment they might feel going to have to get help for their marriage. And so, so many of the people that were coming in were coming in with, um, with really heavy duty stuff. And I also became involved in an outpatient uh, program to help couples dealing with the impact of pornography. So all those things eventually led me into just specializing and working with these couples on the brink and issues around trust and betrayal, especially around sexual betrayal. And so it's been, you know, it was, it was probably about a 10 year journey into that space, but, um, but yeah, that's, that was the path for me. And here you are. You yeah. are making an awesome difference for marriages that are really struggling. I can relate to that. I too am a marriage and family therapist. It's my passion. And oftentimes when I'll hear from parents, they'll call about the concerns of their kiddos, right? And after a while in the conversation on the phone, I'll say, why don't we start with the two of you as parents? Right. <laughs> Let's start yeah. there, right? Because parents really are so powerful. And I say that with great respect. Jeff and Dave, because I think when, when parents can do better, they really are the ultimate helpers for their children. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I remember years ago, my wife and I were, were building a home and, uh, and it, our oldest at the time, he was, our oldest son was probably three or four years old. And all of a sudden he became super helpful around the house. He was like becoming like Mr. Fix Everything and like super helpful, totally different than how a normal little kid would be. And my wife was reading an article that says, some some signs of stress in children are when they become super helpful. <laughs> and we realized that we we had been so compromised by this house building project and frequent arguments and time talking alone that this poor little kid was just trying to like stabilize the ship here. And so we we pulled ourselves together, started focusing on our marriage and being more present. And all of a sudden he just became a regular kid again. (laughs) That that is so honest of you and something I think most of us can all relate to. We don't realize, right? How stress affects little kids. It affects all of us, but even our children, we think maybe they're going to be immune to it or not notice it. Oh, but they just pick up, don't they? They're little sponges. Mm-hmm. You you focused, Jeff, quite a bit on your podcast and in your practice on the three areas, the three A's, right? The addiction, abuse, adultery. Can we break each one of those down and, and discuss the similarities and differences as well as maybe some tips and resources for couples who experience any or maybe even all of them? If we could start with abuse, please. The, the type of abuse and severity will vary, we yeah. realize, right? From person to person, couple to couple. But the trauma and the emotional and physical pain is devastating. What do you say to couples, individuals who have been abused, please? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's dive right in. Um, before, we, before we jump into the specifics about abuse, I just want to zoom out real quick just for the couples listening, because Sue Johnson um, talked about the, the, what she calls the contraindicators or tra- contraindications, which in, in layman's terms is more like the, 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 we don't recommend you do marriage counseling, um, right out the gate if you are dealing with active abuse, addictions, affairs, or abandonment, right? And, it's and not it doesn't mean you, right? it doesn't mean that you can't seek help for those things. It just means that those aren't marriage problems. They infect the marriage, but they aren't caused by a marriage. And, and so it's really important to recognize a lot of people go into marriage counseling when there is abuse thinking like, we got to fix this, but, and I'll jump right into this, which is with, with, with abuse, there's a power, there's a power differential. It means that one person 
is diminishing the other person. They're, they're overpowering them from a place of uh, they could use their physical size, physical force. They could use, you know, words. They can use silence. They can use, um, you know, uh, they can invoke even spirituality or God. And, and, and you know, they, there's all kinds of ways to control or overpower another person for your benefit. And abuse is extremely destructive and um, is like, you know, it's, it's really hard to have um, an ongoing, safe, connected, growing, thriving relationship with one person, even, in, even sporadically engages in abusive behaviors. It has to be confronted and addressed uh, for the relationship to thrive. Indeed. Yeah, man, that's tough. What, what do you recommend even the, the, the first steps, right, Jeff, with, with this? And, you know, if, and, and I, I'm so glad that you set that up because it's not like, okay, hey, I'm going to take, I'm going to drag him or her to, to a therapist because they just have to be really careful with that. Um, what, what do you recommend? I'm someone's listening right now and they're like, man, I'm kind of, whether it's manipulation or it's physical, you know, heavy duty sexual abuse, first steps for them. Yeah. Um, the, if, if you, if you wonder if you're being abused and let me, again, I'll zoom out again real quick. Cause context is everything. All of us do abusive things in our marriages. We've all given our partner the silent treatment, right? We've all, um, we've all done, we, we know cause it works. It works to control people. It works to get our way. It works. We have all done it. We've all been guilty of little things or even big things that, that, you know, we're, we're hurtful to our partner, whether we meant to or not. And so it's in, it's in our natures as humans to to try and uh, to to really figure out how to manage or or not overpower or control somebody through um, passive or aggressive measures. So I just want to say that recognize that we're all capable of it, and it's not some special group of people out there who are just abusers, you know, who are just out there ruining marriages. We all have that inside of us. Now, if you're in a pattern, if you're in a relationship where you're like, this feels like a pattern. This feels like I. I can't ever bring anything up without them blowing up. Uh, they ice me out for days or weeks and don't and and don't talk about it. Or I feel a lot of sexual coercion. Or if I say no to sex, then I'm going to get punished. Or um, you're feeling like these things are just, like you're feeling diminished, or you're feeling smaller as a person. You feel like you're having to shrink to survive in this relationship. Then, you know, the tendency would be to like bring it up to your partner or want to talk about it or maybe try and fix things around on the edges and maybe make life a little more comfortable or whatever. The, 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 the most helpful thing I found initially is to, is to talk to someone who's safe and start getting educated. Those are the two things like getting educated can really help you validate and normalize your experience. I'm not into like diagnosing your partner or trying to like, you know, turn into an armchair psychologist and figure out what exactly is the origins of it because why it's happening is less important than what is the next healthy thing to do right now. We could spend a lot of people spend weeks, months, years trying to figure out why and oftentimes they'll be like, well, they had a bad childhood, so maybe I should keep putting up with it. It's like, no, no, no. What is happening? What is the next healthiest thing to do? Let's let's focus on what the lived experience is right now. And talking to a safe person can be uh, somebody who's neutral, who's a, who's a friend of the marriage, somebody who's mature, has good boundaries. So a professional is always a safe place. A therapist is always a, a pretty safe place to start. Um, but recognize, too, and I, there's a whole podcast we could do just on this topic. Uh, Bill Doherty talked a lot about this, that a lot of times marriage counselors or their individual therapists, rather, can make things worse for marriages 
And so be very careful when you go to talk to me because they may basically say, oh my gosh, your partner's a monster. You've got to get to safety. And then you end up in a place you never intended to be. So recognize when you're working with abuse, just because you've been abused doesn't mean it's a deal breaker and the marriage has to end. It just means that there's conf- there's patterns that have to end. There's There's interactions that are just so destructive and you can stand up to that and hopefully still preserve your family. Um, but it doesn't necessarily automatically mean that it's a deal breaker or it's it's terminal because that's not the case. I see people pull out of this stuff on a regular basis with that kind of courage and the right kind of support. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's well said. I like that, Jeff. We'll be right back after this brief message. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Well, let's dive right in. I, I think it's important to also realize that this is, doesn't necessarily just affect the the couple, right? That connection, it spills over, as we all know, it, in children who are witnessing this. There's the, the in-laws, there's siblings, there's the parents, there's grandparents, the people. So I'm sure that there's people listening right now who maybe, you know, just see these little subtle signs or just see this, you know, they come over for dinner and they just maybe see, oh, he grabbed her wrist, you know, kind of hard and, and doing these subtle little things. What, what can they do? What do you suggest for those who are maybe on the, on the outside a little bit, family, friends, loved ones, and you're talking about this and they're like, man, you know, what do I do for my sister or for my daughter-in-law or whatever it is? Yeah. It's such an agonizing thing to sense or, or see that somebody you love is, is being mistreated like that. And you do obviously, you know, want to give people room and time and space to work out things in their relationship because we all struggle. But um, again, I'll, I'll just invoke Bill Doherty once again. Um, I, I heard him talk about one time that um, that anybody who you invited to your marriage, you also have invited into your marriage to a degree. And I, I love that idea. He says, you know, a lot of the times the only time we hear about marriage problems is after somebody's getting divorced and all of a sudden now it's public and people are talking about it. He says, why can't we have the courage to pull people into our relationships when things are starting to get really bad? And so I think at that point, if you're the one, you know, talking to a parent or talking to a sibling and saying, this doesn't feel right, you know, you don't want to dogpile somebody and make, you know, take sides right out the gate, but you do need to be able to say, Hey, I know, I know so-and-so is a good guy or she's really great, but I'm really concerned about what I see happening. Are you okay? Is that, are things okay? Um, I remember years ago, my dad, uh, my dad said something to me. He pointed out something, a dynamic he had seen with my wife and I, and he had the courage to, to, to say to me, cause I was wanting to get into some business stuff with him. And he just, he was so kind. My dad's just such a gentle person. And he just said, you know, Jeff, he goes, I love both of you, but I would never want this to create more stress for your marriage. And I see that you guys are struggling and there's something off there that I don't know what's going on for you guys, but I, I really think that. And he, so he kind of set this boundary of like, I'm concerned. Things seem a little bit off. And he was right. We were we were in a tough phase of our relationship and we we were 
um, not as stable as we are now. And so back then it was the right thing. And so him noticing that slowed us down and allowed us to get some help. And I think that family members can be really powerful because they do see you in your unguarded moments. They do see things that other people wouldn't necessarily see and to have the courage just in a loving way, say like, Hey, is everything okay? I'm concerned. I think that that can be very helpful. And no one loves us more, right? Jeff and Dave, than our families, our parents, our siblings. And I think it, is, it does take an element of courage. Bill Doherty talks, as you are so mindful of him, too. We love him here on Stronger Marriage Connection, about being a first responder in that regard. Have you heard of his program? He teaches the rest of us how, how to intervene, how to say something. Because, mm-hmm. you know, here's this other element about domestic violence. And, and we really want to make sure that we're presenting to our listeners, too. Like, when when is there time to ring the bells? Right. And get law enforcement in. I mean, it's I I so understand that. I think that many couples do make mistakes and they can recover. I've worked with couples where 911 has been called and they they can recover. And then I don't know where that fine line is then with domestic violence. Do you do you have any thoughts about that determination? Just so really clear. Yeah, I think I think that there is domestic violence long before there's physical violence. Um and those patterns are are more about a mindset they're 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 you know it's rooted in entitlement and powerlessness and shame and other things like that and so these patterns are coming up long before somebody's oftentimes physically assaulted or a child is and i, I just i don't have a lot of tolerance for it i think you have to call this stuff out pretty early and i just believe anybody who's going to um react defensively and get more aggressive when you when you ask about this or call it out it's it's even more of a reason why you need to say something. If they're that if they're that dysregulated, they're that they're that unsafe or un, unstable, you probably need to get to safety. And I do think that somebody who's serious about it, you know, like again, my dad pointing this out to us, um, there was an abuse going on, but but there there were relational tension. They could feel it. You know, it, it, it caused us both to look inward and say, like, okay, we're not in a good a place we need to be. We need to take this seriously. Well, if you bring something up to somebody and they slow down and take a look at it, then then it's totally workable. And so it's you got to have the courage to put that in front of somebody so they can come in contact with what other people are experiencing and then make a choice to do something about it or fight back. But then again, it becomes more information, right? <laughs> you bet it does. Yeah. Well said. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, let's shift to another A that you talk about. In fact, quite a bit on your your podcast, the A of affairs or adultery. Mm-hmm. Um, according to data from the General Social Survey, and different you know surveys report this slightly differently, but about 20% of men and 13% of women reported that they've had sex with someone other than their spouse while they're married. There's going to be a little gender gap differences, and we know that from the, from the research. But this, too, is just mm-hmm. emotionally um, devastating and traumatic for both partners, right? Uh, and what practical tips, again, can you give to listeners who have experienced this or, again, who have loved ones who have experienced this type of betrayal and trauma? Yeah, yeah, thanks. I, the, the infidelity, yeah, it's super common, believe it or not. Um, and there's so many ways to cheat now in 2022. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, used to have to really go out of your way to do it. And now it can happen so easily. Um, so in terms of the person who's been betrayed, um, the first thing to know is that you, you're not crazy. Um, you've probably been lied to and, and gaslighting, I think, was, was, uh, is, is becoming a word more people are familiar with and using uh, psychological manipulation. There's been 
there's been some lying, there's been some manipulation, there's been some blame and, and stuff that you probably have been feeling and second guessing and whatever. So a lot of the times the person who's been betrayed, um, it's it's almost like when they learn about it, they, it's almost like they've had like a second brain already registering that something else has been going on. And so recognize it that you're not you're not crazy. And sometimes it's out of the blue and you had no idea and then you'll feel crazy. The critical thing is is recognize that somebody else cheating on you is not something that you created. It's not something you did. It's an individual choice. Now, you might have been the worst spouse in the world, but they still would have had a choice of how to respond to you as the worst spouse in the world. And cheating is one of those choices. And so recognize that um, if you if you immediately turn this into like, well, I must have done this, then you basically compromise your own healing. And now you're trying to like focus on trying to change something that is not your responsibility. Your job being, be, you know, when you've been betrayed is to seek help um, like you would after a car accident, you know, or you've been hit by somebody. You've got you've to seek help for yourself and not spend all your effort trying to figure out how you caused the accident. Um, that's the job of the person who, who cheated. They have to take responsibility and recognize this was a choice. This is something I did. And uh, as a response to whatever their issue may be, but... That 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 separation of responsibility early on is critical for stabilizing the couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about the, those who've on the other other side of that, the flip side? So the person who cheated, what, are, what is the partners? Right, the partners who were yeah, betrayed. Part- mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so so I'm sorry, I'm not sure what your question. Are you asking like, what should the partner who's been betrayed, what should they do? Yeah, yeah. So both of their perspectives, right? Because this it's be it's trauma really for both of them going through this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the person who the person who's cheated is is overwhelmed. A lot of the times they feel, um, you know, they feel powerless. They feel like they, you know, they feel shocked and surprised that they've ended up in a place they never wanted to. Very few people um, start off thinking that it's going to go this far. You know, Shirley Glass wrote a powerful book uh, called Not Just Friends about. The, the kind of the slippery slope toward affairs. And so I, I, most people that, that cheat generally feel almost kind of victimized by the affair, as weird as that sounds, even though they're in charge of it and they're responsible for it, they, they get caught and swept up in something that they never intended. And there's so much distorted thinking um, that they have to take accountability for. And so they, they get overwhelmed very easily because they're, you know, they've betrayed their deepest values, protecting the relationship. The person who's been betrayed is experiencing, um, you know, betrayal trauma, which is which is a form of PTSD. But in a lot of ways, um, and I don't want to compare people's traumas, but it, but it has some unique factors to it that make it really different than a one-time traumatic event like a car accident or a natural disaster. It's it's ongoing. You never know if it's going to stop. You're living with the person who hurt you. Where like in a war zone or a car accident, you get away from the scene. In betrayal trauma, you're living with the the possibility all the time that somebody could could hurt you, and so it's it's critical for that person who's been cheated on, been betrayed, for them to uh, get help for themselves and not just hope that stopping the affair is going to fix everything. Yeah, um, and I'm coming from a, a parent perspective now, um, Jeff, and I have, I have a married daughter now, and so I feel you know different kind of a, and, and he's great, you know, by the way, but I. I just wonder, I can't help but think, um, out kind of outsiders and how reactive they may not understand all the dynamics and what's happening about a parent be like, Oh, you're leaving, you're coming here, you're not gonna talk, you know, that kind of stuff. What what do you recommend to those 
um, kind of on the outside, they don't see the whole picture. What's their role in this? What, what do you recommend? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think Jennifer Fried is her name. She, she's the, she's one of the early sort of pioneers in, in betrayal trauma. She talked about how when somebody opens up about, you know, in her, in her research, it was being sexually, sexually abused or sexually harassed. Um, but I think it goes the same for people that open up about being cheated on or having somebody hurt them or whatever. Um, what, what she found in her research is that um, more people experience damage from a poor response from a, a loved one or a boss or a family member than they do. They, it's, it's worse to have a poor response than it is to not even bring it up at all. Isn't that crazy? Oh, yes. <laughs> wow. And so, so it's critical for, for those who are trying to help for them to know how to respond. And so I love your question. So how do you respond to somebody who says, I think my husband's cheating on me. I think my wife's doing this, whatever is you take them seriously. You, you, you listen, you slow it down. Like, what do you need? Like, how can I be there for you? I'm not going to leave you alone in this. I care about you. It's, it's, you're not going to jump in and dogpile this other person. You're not going to immediately jump to conclusions. You're not going to blame them and say like, well, have you been this or that? Or can you be, do more of this or less of that? A lot of victim blaming. So it's critical just to slow it way down and say, what, you know, what kind of help can you get? Um, knowing your scope of influence as a parent, your scope of influence, you're not, you're not a professional. You're not going to guide them through this journey. Um, you're not their spouse. And so you don't know all the details of their dynamic. Your, your scope is to, is to just be present. And um, I think it was Dorothy Beckford that called it the ministry of presence. It, your 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 job is to just not leave them alone in this even if you're even if they have to fly back home or drive back home with this person you're they know that they're not alone and that they're um that they've got a person who sees and cares about their experience you can point them to resources you can offer to help pay for counseling you can um do everything you can to make it easy for them to heal um but ultimately they have to know that that this is something they're going to have to self-determine on. They're going to have to make choices. And that's part of being an adult and taking responsibility for yourself and your relationships. But having, knowing you're not alone in it is huge. Mm. Yeah. What was that term again? Something ministering? What was that called? The ministry of presence. Oh gosh, that's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. The ministry of presence. Yeah. Dorothy Beckvar used that. She, she did a lot of work on grief and loss and bereavement, death and dying and, and I, I heard that years ago when I, I saw her present at a conference and she used that phrase and I thought that really matches with people that have been cheated on. It's like a death. It's It feels in some ways worse than a death because it's like the death of what they thought is like it's gone, but they're still with that same person. And it's like, how do you reconcile those? I can't just, you know, sort of like, um, you know, kind of end the tape and just be like, well, this was our life. We did the best. They're a good person. It's like, no, it's still active and ongoing. Yet I feel like something's totally died. It's terrible. So many clients say death would have been easier. Yeah. Yeah. People bring you casseroles. I mean, you can talk about that. There's Mm. such shame and secrecy around this type of betrayal. Oh, just, it's just painful. And it's so hopeful too, Jeff, you and I know, right? Many couples, when they get that professional intervention, recover, recover beautifully on the other end and have marriage 2.0 often. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's what 70, 80% of couples do make it through affairs. I mean, it's pretty high. Um, and so if, if they, if they, you know, the odds of you getting through this are, are so much better getting help and education and working together than 
just, you know, everybody says like, man, if you ever cheat on me, I'm done. I'm out of here. You know, we you all, it's like, Mike that, Tyson. it's like Mike Tyson says, you know, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the face, especially by Mike Tyson. Right. But, but that's just, that's just it. Like you don't know what you're going to do. And, and same with family members. It's like, oh, you shouldn't put up with this. So don't project your stuff onto them. Don't assume that like what's best for you is best for them. Just mm-hmm. stay with them. It's so easy to say, isn't it? Because it's it's personal, like you were saying, Dave. You know, yeah. when you're a father of this adult daughter, it's just so personal. Really hard to separate yourself from that. And to not take those stances of like, you don't deserve this. <laughs> yeah, I hear that all the time. First responders, boy, we really do have a huge responsibility, I think. You mentioned Shirley Glass's book. Are there other books you also like that you recommend to your clients, may I ask? Yeah, I mean, the, go, the go-to book for affair recovery is called Getting Past the Affair. And... It was written by a team of four uh, researchers and therapists uh, that I, I think is a great it's and it goes through a three phase model for repairing, um, you know, discovery, kind of consolidation and then the emerging marriage type thing. A three. Did I say three phase? Yeah. Three phase process. And <clears throat> so I like their work a lot. I think it's pretty solid. Um, and I do love Shirley Glass. I think, you know, her her work is I mean, she dedicated her whole career to something that was pretty taboo and uh, made it difficult, I think. Uh, for people to talk about. She did a great job talking about it. So I, those are two resources I Good. love and re- recommend Excellent. often. I also really like Healing from Infidelity, Michelle Wiener Davis. Oh, there yeah. Are chapters there, you know, for the betrayed and the betrayer. Mm-hmm. And I I love that as well. Thank you for reminding me about getting past the affair. I know I, I have that. I need, I need to dust that off and get that down. <laughs> so thank you, Jeff. So many yeah. good resources to keep in mind. And it's just, you have such a message of hope. So thank you for that. Let's go now to the third A, please, addiction. Can marriages survive when there's an addiction, even like a hidden addiction? I love that you put the hidden there. Um, They can survive addictions, but they can't survive hidden addictions. (laughs) Well said. And so, yeah, the the coming out of hiding, being open about it, it's interesting. It's it's like, um, like the old saying, right? It's it's like a a slap of the truth is better than a kiss with a lie, and. Um, or, you know, it's not the cover up, it's not the crime, it's the cover up. So it's interesting. So many partners I've worked with over the years who have been betrayed by their, by their spouse's, uh, addiction to pornography or sex or gambling or whatever. It's, it's like, they're not almost, I mean, they're definitely horrified by a lot of the behaviors, the stuff that happens that's so damaging, but what they're really, what's really wounding the relationship is, is the manipulation, the secrecy, the hiding because it really steals another person's reality. Like we, we all understand to some degree that people are going to make mistakes or that we, we're going to get addicted to things or struggle. We're all humans. We all know our own limits. But the, the part that feels so cruel in addiction work is the ongoing lying and manipulation of like, why, why are you stealing my own reality from me every single day, 100% of the time? That's hard to tolerate. And the word becomes no good, right? You can't trust anything now that comes from your partner's mouth. If they're not willing to come, you know, impeccably clean, that would be the first goal, wouldn't it? Is to come clean. If there's any chance of survival, would you agree? Pleading your son of the street or easier said than done, I realize, because there's such shame attached. I know. I know. Yes. A a full disclosure is, is a critical piece of healing from addictions because um, it brings both people into into alignment. It brings them both into a state of of oneness before they can truly like be one. They, at least their realities are one, and that's a precursor to building unity and connection and intimacy down the road. 
which is at least we both know what we're dealing with. And then the partners, the betrayed partners able to make choices about their future based on good information instead of being manipulated and disdain with the other person. Cause you know, the truth is if like, if I've got a secret life and my wife is like, you know, very nice to me and loving me and we're, you know, we're making love and everything just seems to be going really well, but I've got this whole secret life. I've essentially engineered the condition so that she responds to me a certain way. And um, I've, I'm controlling her, right? Because if she knew the truth, we would be on a very different path um, of healing, of working through stuff, of dealing with strong emotions, et cetera. And so um, manipulating somebody else's reality is just so damaging um, and it takes a long time to recover from. So if you're listening to this and you're sitting on, on secrets around secret behavior, addictions, things like that, and you ha your partner doesn't know, you still have a chance today to do the one thing that's going to make the biggest difference in your healing, which is for you to come forward with it instead of getting caught or discovered. Because it's way harder to overcome that, getting caught and discovered, than your partner knowing at the core, this person wanted it. This person wanted to heal. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Jeff, can you tell me the flip side of that? Because I think it's super important as well. So someone says, you know, hey, honey. I need to talk to you about something. Now tell us about how the other person and their response can totally shape the, the, the future, the dynamics. So you mean the person who's receiving like a disclosure? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's asking a lot cause it's traumatic, right? It's traumatic yeah. to not only learn what they've been doing, but that, that in many cases you've been lied to. Um, and so that's, um, the first thing is, is that if you're the person who's been, who's on the receiving end of this, you're hearing a disclosure, it's okay for you to have an authentic response. It's not, you don't have to like, um, you know, just sit there and um, hold all the conditions together. Now, of course, I don't recommend people get violent or get so dysregulated that they um, do things they regret, but it's also because it's traumatic, you're going to be numb, you're going to be uh, anxious, you're going to have a hard time sleeping, eating, it's going to affect you. So it's going to be critical for you to recognize that if somebody comes forward with you, especially someone who struggles with a compulsive or addictive behavior, and they're going to open up about it, um, that's a tremendous act of courage on their part. It's a tremendously difficult thing to do if they've come forward on their own. So either in that moment or later, I think it's very helpful if you're thinking you want this relationship still for you, or even if you don't, I think it's just human decency just to be able to come back and say at some point when you feel you can, Thank you for bringing that to me. Thank you for telling me the truth. Um, now, in that space, though, recognize you're going to need support. You're going to need uh, to be able to get your emotional balance somehow. Um, it's a very difficult thing. But um, the, the last thing I'll say about this is that it's also important to recognize that um, every case is different. But more often than not, what they've disclosed is only part of the story. They generally are like holding back some because they feel ashamed. They, they're they kind of testing the waters or just like getting it off their chest. But oftentimes they've they've lied to themselves or there's been so much denial or so much avoidance over the years that they have a bigger story that needs to be told for their own healing and obviously for the healing of the relationship. So recognize that's not usually going to be everything right out the gate. Mm, yeah, man, this is great. It's powerful stuff. Hey, I want to make sure that we get to... Um, some of the resources you have some amazing, uh, I mean, boot camps and some online groups and courses, your podcast, where can people go for more information about what you do? 
Yeah, so everything's on my website. From you can just go to my my name's impossible to spell, so I I just set up um, from crisis to connection dot com is my website, and you can find my podcast on there that I do with my wife Jody. Um, and we also I also have a course called the Trust Building Boot Camp, which is a twelve week self guided online course for for individuals who've broken trust. It's for the person who broke the trust to learn how to become a safe person and create conditions where trust can be restored. And then my wife and I also have a couples community called Connection Plus. Um, that's a membership community for couples that are that are that just want a, a place to do long term healing couples work um, with uh, monthly themes and challenges and uh, trainings on just long term recovery things for healing from the impact of betrayal. Wow, you're making a big difference in this world, Jeff. You and your wife both. We commend you. We we love to ask each of our guests this one question. Jeff, to you, what is the key, do you think, to a stronger marriage connection? I love that question. Um, so for me, it's 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 two keys. Um, it's based off of John Got- some of John Gottman and Sue Johnson's work that I and I've seen it in my own marriage as well. Is is really learning to see the other person as as someone that's different than you, and really honoring and cherishing them as an individual. Um, there's so much compassion in that. There's so much. Um, awareness that can come from that. And it's just, it's just such a, a joy to be in partnership with somebody who you recognize is a unique individual who, um, you know, you can just almost like endlessly learn about. I just think that that is such a, such a, a challenging and, and, and incredibly uh, beautiful thing, rich thing to do over time. And then the, 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 the Sue Johnson piece of that is recognize that as you're doing that, as you're getting to know this person, that, that their deepest need is the same as yours. I don't buy into that men are from Mars and women are from Venus in terms of our core need. Our deepest core need is for someone to, to be there for us. And so when you're feeling lonely or afraid, it's likely your partner is feeling the same way. And there's something about knowing that you both are on the exact same journey of just learning how to reach and predictably stay close to each other and reliably find your way back to each other. Um, that to me is when I when I understand that, and I'm constantly reaching and looking and recognizing that my partner is experiencing the exact same thing I am most of the time. Yes. It makes the marriage work a lot easier. That is beautiful. So many times in private practice, I'm saying to one partner or another, "That's what he shed. That's that's how he felt. <laughs> well, that's how she felt. Do you realize you two feel the exact same way? Maybe for different right. reasons, but you get it. You understand where the other one's coming from." Well said. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, as we wrap up, um, another thing we like to end with here at the Stronger Marriage Connection is to ask each of our guests if they have a takeaway of the day. For If you have you know, only one message, if you want <laughs> listeners to remember one thing from, from what we've talked about, what would that be? Yeah. So for this topic in particular, um, the theme for me is around truth. It's around um, speaking the truth, naming the truth, recognizing that your marriage can handle the truth. So if it's the truth about, hey, that that pattern is unhealthy, that's that's abusive, I'm not okay with that, or um, speaking the truth about an addictive or, or opening up about a secret life, marriages cannot handle um, ongoing lies and and secrecy. That's division, it's walls, it's it, it creates all kinds of struggles. So the takeaway is, don't be afraid of the truth. Your marriage can handle it. And if you're going to have a thriving marriage, it will be based on a foundation of total transparency and truth and honesty. 
And you will both feel so much more relaxed when that's going on. Uh, that's wonderful, man. That's a great takeaway, Jeff. Um, I love that. Liz, what about you? I think the takeaway is hope. There is such hope. I believe in miracles. Sometimes it feels like a miracle to get through something that that level of betrayal is just mm -hmm. excruciating for, for many people. And I believe in marriage 2.0. I believe in that vision of looking at the other side, keeping your eye on that prize of getting through it whole and happy. I love that. Healed. It's funny you say that, Liz. I often joke with a lot of my couples I work with. I'm like, oh, I'm on marriage 8.0. Are you kidding me? <laughs> We've had a few upgrades that over the years. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that is great, Jeff. Your, your yeah. candor yeah. and honesty is so refreshing. Thank you for that. Yeah. Hey, what's your That's takeaway, great. my friend? Yeah, my takeaway from from this is really to reach out, um, to reach out for help because there is, I love that, that message of hope, but to find someone that you that you honor, that you trust. And maybe, maybe it's not your mom to begin with, because you know, maybe she's a, a nuclear reactor, right? And we'll just jump on and rip you away. But maybe it's a friend or maybe it's a religious leader or someone that you can trust to really open up, but to talk to someone, uh, whether it's any of these A's that we've talked about or other struggles in your relationship, there really is hope. Um, and people do know and, and can understand how you feel as you're going through this. And each situation and dynamic uh, is going to be going to be different. So don't compare yourself to, to anyone else that's going through any of this because each, each of these are different. So Jeff, any, any last words from you before we wrap up? No, I mean, there's so much we could say about this. It's hard to cover it all. Um, but, but recognize that, you know, that, um, there's lots of people that struggle with these things. You're not going to shock or, you know, um, overwhelm somebody, especially a therapist, go, go get help. For this, don't try and just do this part alone. These big things that we're talking about, these A's, this is stuff that is is not a do-it-yourselfer kind of thing, and it's it's critical to get help and and recognize that you're not alone in it. There's lots of research, lots of education. There's a lot of ways we know how to help people heal from these. And I love your your positivity around this, Liz. Like the hope around this, you don't have to live mm -hmm. like this forever. It's totally not something that you have to put up with. No, mm. so true. Man, well, thanks again, Jeff Storer. We sure appreciate you joining us here on the Stronger Marriage Connection. And my friends, that, that does it for us. So thank you for tuning in. And we hope that you'll do those, those little things to keep that marriage connection strong. Bye-bye now. Bye now. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel, where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at StrongerMarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. Finally, a big thanks to our producers, Rex Polanis, Kirsten Wilson, and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are.
and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.